the true God, you're going to worship something. So those three words are thanksgiving, praise, and worship. And they all mean different things. And we learned last week about thanksgiving that it means what he has done. It's thanking God for what he's done. Praise relates to his character, who he is, and worship relates to his holiness. We're going to learn about praise today. Father, thank you for blessing us today and teaching us to praise you and raising our praise level higher than it's ever been. Now, church, will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, increase my praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You just prayed a dangerous prayer. Turn to your neighbor and say, praise him. I love praising the Lord. I've had most of my very, very strong encounters with God in the presence of praising Him and worshiping Him. It's amazing to me what Jesus said. He said that God's actually hunting for something. The Almighty God who created the world is looking for something. And Jesus told us what it was. He said, the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, that means in the Holy Spirit, and in truth, the truth that is in Jesus. True worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. Now, if God's looking for something, I want Him to find it with me. Amen? If the God who loved me and sent His Son to die for me is looking for something, I want Him to find it in my life. So I want to be a praiser. I want to be a worshiper. And it's so important that we do learn to enter into His presence. I believe in practicing the presence of God. I don't believe we ought to just sense His presence once a week at church and then go out and, and live in battle and defeat and fatigue all week long. I believe that God wants us to experience His presence all day, every day, and we ought to walk into church on Saturday or Sunday filled with the Holy Spirit where it just flows out immediately. Because all week long we praised Him and worshiped Him. And that takes practice. That takes willing it. That takes a decision. But if we'll make that decision, God will bless us. Now, last week I used the illustration of a ladder with three steps. The first step, the bottom step, is thanksgiving. We enter His gates with thanksgiving. Second step, praise. We go on into His courts praising Him for who He is. The third step, worship, which is the highest level of expressed affection towards God, and at the top of that ladder, on that third step, we are in the presence of God. For the Bible says He inhabits, He lives in, He dwells in, He makes His home in the praises of God's people. Can you imagine God making His home in your life because there's so much praise and worship coming out of you? God wants to be worshipped and we need to worship Him. Amen? So let's learn about praise today. What is praise? How, how do you practice praise? And how can we develop the holy habit of praising the Lord as a way of life? You know, there's bad habits, they ruin you. There's good habits, they bless you. I call good habits holy habits. A holy habit is the gift that keeps on giving. If you've got the habit of prayer, it's going to keep on blessing you. If you've got the habit of worship, it's going to keep on blessing you. If you've got the habit of attending the fellowship of God's people, it's going to keep on blessing you. There is a verse in Corinthians where Paul actually talks about people who have addicted themselves to ministering to other people. A holy 
habit. So how do you develop that holy habit of praise? Do you know the word praise is found in the Bible at least 248 times? Now, if God said it once, we need to do it. But if it's in there 248 times, let me tell you, God likes it. There must be something to praise, or he wouldn't mention it 248 times. I believe that praise is universally practiced by God's creation. God created a praising creation. When Jesus was coming into Jerusalem on the donkey for the first Palm Sunday, he's coming in, all the people are throwing palm branches down in front of him and going on and on about him and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest and worshiping him and praising him. It says that the jealous Pharisees said to Jesus, you know, Jesus, you ought to stop that. That's not right, them praising you this way. And Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth. If they keep quiet, the rocks are going to cry out. Now, I don't know about you, church, but I don't want a rock to outdo me in praising God. I'm going to get the jump on rocks, and I'm going to praise God. What was Jesus saying? The whole creation is wired to praise God. You can't tell me that mockingbird on the rooftop early in the morning as the sun is rising and he's letting loose with that beautiful song. You can't tell me he is just singing to the wind. He is praising God. God created a worshiping, praising creation. Listen to what Psalms 19 says. The heavens are telling about the greatness of God. And the great open spaces above show the work of his hands. Day after day they speak. Night after night they show knowledge. There's no speaking. There's no words where their voice is not heard. Their sound has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. What is he telling us there? Inspired by the Holy Spirit that the vast reaches of space all the stars, all the planets, all of God's creation are preaching and teaching and telling and praising Him. So praise ought to be routine for the Christian because after all, we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We have been brought from death to life, from lost to found. If anybody's got a song, it ought to be us. The psalmist said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And he brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And then what did he do? He put a new song in my mouth. Many shall hear of it and shall trust the Lord. So the redeemed of the Lord, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, and let the redeemed of the Lord praise him. Can you say with me today, praise God? Praise God. You know, sometimes you've got to warm up your praiser and just go out and just say it, whether you feel like it or not, say, praise God. It ought to be routine for the Christian. Listen to this. Hebrews says, through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. You know what sacrifice of praise is? It's when you don't feel like it, but you will to do it. A sacrifice. Have you ever noticed that holy things and spiritual things are acquired tastes? Have you ever noticed that the more you pray, the more you want to, and the less you pray, the less you want to? 
It's the same with praise. The more you praise, the more you want to, and the less you praise, the less you want to. So there comes a point where you've got to make a sacrifice of praise. When you're walking through the valley of the shadow and you can't see any way out, that's when you make a sacrifice of praise. When you're in the burning, fiery oven of a hot trial, that's when you decide to make the sacrifice of praise. And you said, I will praise the Lord. And when you make that sacrifice of praise, the emotions follow, but you've got to will it and decide to do it and say, I'm going to be a praiser. I'm going to praise God. Let me give you an example. Yesterday, no, day before yesterday, Kathy comes running into the bedroom. What am I doing? I'm typing out this message. I'm getting ready for this message. And I had just written down something to the effect, praise him at all times. She said, Jeff, there's water coming through the ceiling. I said, what? Where? She said, come quick. I went into our, one of our kids' bedrooms, and they're, they're moved and gone, so we're never in there. And I opened up the closet. Here's water dripping through a light fixture. The floor was soaked. The laminate on the floor was completely warped and ruined. And I want to tell you, nothing moved on me emotionally to praise the Lord. I didn't all of a sudden feel like, oh, hallelujah, praise God, water everywhere. My floor is ruined. I'm out hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Hallelujah, glory to God. And, and so I wanted to say some things that I shouldn't have. And it was like the Holy Spirit, who always ruins my good times, eased up and said, what were you preaching on this weekend? Yeah, okay. Lord, I praise you. I make the sacrifice, bro. You're going to work this out. Thank you. You've got all this in your hands. And I started moving in what I'm going to preach to you today. Not perfectly, but sincerely. You've got to make a sacrifice of praise. Make up your mind you're going to praise God. Let the praise come from your lips. One Hebrew word for praise is halal. Halal means to be boastful, to be excited, to enjoy. It signifies a tremendous explosion of enthusiasm. See, when you worship God, it's enthusiastic. There ought to be some emotion attached to it. Listen, folks, there's nothing wrong with emotion in church. If you like it dull and boring and, and you like churches where you can ice skate to your seat, you're not going to get along in heaven because heaven is going to be filled with enthusiastic, boisterous, explosive, joyful praise. You might as well just warm up now and get your hands up in the air and start praising God because that's what you're going to be doing as soon as you hit those pearly gates. Praise is going to be coming out of your mouth. The Bible says God wants us to sing and praise enthusiastically in the congregation. Psalms 35, 18 says, I will give you thanks in the great assembly. Among the throngs, I will praise you. He said, I'll give you thanks in church. I'm going to thank you in church. I'm going to thank you in the gathering of God's people. God desires us to lift up and clap our hands. I want everybody to do this just for a second. Now, have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that the hands are instruments of praise? You say, no, I really haven't, Jeff. Well, when was the last time you were at a football game? Because football fans will go in there, paint themselves green, put cheese on their head, take off their shirts in the freezing cold, and clap their hands as somebody moves a pigskin from one side of a lawn to another. But if you can do that with that, then you ought to be able to come into the house of God and use those hands to praise the Lord. (laughs) 
Well, Pastor Jeff, I just don't like being that fanatical. Why not? If you can put cheese on your head and go to work the next day with a proud look on your face, then you can come in on a Sunday and praise God. The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with cries of joy. God desires musical instruments to be used in praise and worship. Psalms 150 says, praising with trumpets, harps, strings, cymbals. Praise him. Now, that's a little bit about praise. Let me talk to you about music. How many in here like music? Oh, don't we love music? Music is so powerful. Music is just uh, addictive, isn't it? We love music. Do you know the Bible has a lot to say about music? A lot. You know why? Because God made it. Music comes from three possible sources. God, Satan, and the world. Those are your three, three sources for music. Now, let's take satanic music for a minute. I've heard satanic music. You've heard satanic music. What is it? What is a satanic song? They are songs that blatantly glorify evil, glorify the occult, and even glorify Satan himself. I know of some of those songs, and I was going to bring a few lyrics, but I decided I can't even say what they say. And yet, many younger believers will turn on this music and listen to really satanic music. And I want to just inform you today with all the authority of the Word of God that a believer has no place ever listening to that stuff. You should never bend your ear to one lyric of a satanic song. The Bible says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? How can you groove to a tune that is dedicated to Satan? You ought to know something about Satan. Before he fell, he was called Lucifer, which means light bearer, a bearer of light. He was an incredible, beautiful, overwhelmingly impressive archangel. He was called the son of the morning, Lucifer the light bearer. And the Bible intimates that he was likely the very first musician. Prophet Ezekiel goes back in time, goes past the Garden of Eden, goes way into centuries and millennia before God said, let there be man. When this archangel Lucifer existed before his fall, and Ezekiel describes him, he says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, diamond, barrel, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. In other words, he was bedecked with beauty. He was an incredibly beautiful, magnetic creation of God. Now listen to what Ezekiel then inserts into the verse. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. He's literally saying that built within the infrastructure of Lucifer's body was musical instruments, timbrels and pipes. He was created to bring forth music. 
Apparently, he led in celestial music before his heart was lifted up with pride over his great beauty, and he took a third of the angels with him in his rebellion. And there is no question in my mind that one of the ways he was able to persuade them to rebel was the power of music. He was charismatic. He was unbelievably appealing. So what does that tell us? That Satan fully understands the power of music, and he uses it to indoctrinate, seduce, and lure the unsuspecting into evil. I'm going to tell you, when I was in the drug culture before I was saved as a teenager, music was the Pied Piper that led me down that wide road that leads to destruction. Those lyrics and that beat and that music and the message of that song and the spirit that came through it was, was always at my right side helping lead me down that way. So you're dealing with a being in the world who understands music and the power of it. Now, the second source of music is the world. Songs from the world can be either positive or negative. They can be good or bad. Positive worldly songs can be about wholesome things like life, you know, children, God's creation, legitimate love between a man and a woman. Almost every popular song throughout history has been about love between a man and a woman. Negative worldly songs, on the other hand, promote depression, hopelessness, immorality, suggestive lyrics. A spirit comes through those songs and that music that lures into the world. Negative worldly songs. Now, I'm going to tell you, I believe that Christians can be entertained with positive worldly songs, but not a steady diet of positive worldly songs because they don't edify, they don't build you up in the Spirit. They are not spiritual songs from the Holy Spirit. They are worldly. So I listen to Golden Oldies. I listen to 98.7. And I was dismayed last night to find most of my congregation had no idea where that was. <laughs> it's the Golden Oldies station. And there's a lot of good things about love and life and, you know, and they're harmless. But I don't feed on it as a steady diet because there's another kind of song, another kind of music, and it's called godly music. Godly music is filled with thanksgiving, praise, and worship toward God. Godly music teaches sound doctrine and encourages noble, holy, good, and righteous living. That's what sound, godly music does. Praise and worship music is the best type of music to listen to. Listen, if your house is under an oppression, if your house is under attack, if your children are under attack, your finances, your marriage, one of the best things you can do is turn off ABC, NBC, CBS, and all the rest of them, close People magazine, find some praise music, crank it up, and let it fill your house because praise music brings the Holy Spirit into your home. Music and praise are so important that the Bible gives we believers very, very clear instructions on it. Listen to this powerful verse. I read this this, uh, this week, and it hit me in a way that I haven't been hit by it in a long time. Listen to this powerful verse, Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Amen? Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, he's given us a choice. You can be drunk with wine, or you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we have dogs, and I've seen many, many times, I can throw a fake bone to one of my dogs, 
And they'll snatch up that fake bone and look at me like, thanks, master, and the tail of wag and all of that. But, but while they've got that fake bone, if I throw down a real steak bone with real meat on it, they don't even pray about it. They smell that steak. They drop the fake bone and grab the real thing immediately. My dogs have more sense than some people. Because, listen, there is something better than wine, better than alcohol, better than drugs, better than immorality, better than what this world has to offer, and it is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, he says here, I, let me tell you how to get filled or be filled, be continually being filled with the Spirit. He says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing... All the men in here say, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, notice Paul mentions three kinds of songs, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Well, we know all about the psalms. The longest book in the Bible is the book of psalms, and it's essentially a huge hymn book. The book of psalms is the hymn book of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So the book of Psalms isn't just inspired in a way that we would say that a musician was inspired to write a song, but it means the book of Psalms is God-breathed. God breathed out the instructions and the encouragements and the exhortations that are in the book of Psalms telling us how to worship and how to praise and encouraging us to live a life like that, to live in the praise zone. The English word psalms is from the Greek word psalmoi, and it means a striking of a finger on a stringed instrument using music. And they overwhelmingly encourage us to praise God. Listen to Psalms 150. Praise the Lord. Can everybody say with me, praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary here. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise the Lord. Verse 6 says, Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Amen. So Paul tells the New Testament church, I want you to sing the Psalms. I want you to praise Him with Psalms because that's the Holy Spirit's songbook. And then we're to praise Him with hymns. What's a hymn? It's simple. A song in honor of God. That's what a hymn is, a song written to honor God. And I was amazed to find that Jesus loved singing hymns. One day he told his disciples, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I would love to know what that hymn was. That would be the all-time best-selling hymn in all of history. But Jesus sang a song written to honor God. But then the Bible says we're to sing spiritual songs. Now I read that and I go, all right, there's psalms and there's hymns, but what in the world is a spiritual song? Because aren't those two things spiritual songs? The word spiritual means that which flows out of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this, because we're about to be told something about ourselves, you probably didn't know. It says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit who lives in you. So speak to one another with a psalm, 
with a hymn and songs from the Spirit. Sing, he goes on to say, and make music from your heart to the Lord. So watch this. A spiritual song is a song the Holy Spirit gives to us that flows extemporaneously from our heart to the Lord. He's telling us, God wants you to make up a song and sing it to him. You know, Pastor Jeff, I can't do that. Well, let me just make a suggestion. Let's just think of some of the songs we all know. God is so good. I guarantee you, somebody was sitting there one day, and the Holy Spirit moved on them, and they started thinking, you know, God is so good. God is so good. And they just put music, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. And they started singing it. And they had a song to the Lord. And then, He is Lord. He is Lord. And I know I'm not a soloist, but I'm going to show you what I mean. <laughs> he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. And they sang it. And what about good old Kumbaya? <laughs> Somebody was sitting there one day and just said, because you know it means, come by here. Kumbaya, my Lord, come, Kumbaya. They were thinking it was a prayer. Come by here, Lord. Come by here. And they sang the prayer, and it caught on, and I wore it out. <laughs> but it was a simple song God gave somebody. And he says, I want you to sing a spiritual song. I'm going to challenge you, church. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Tomorrow morning when no one's looking, no one's around, or when you're in your car, no one's there with you, so you won't be embarrassed, don't have to worry about what somebody's thinking. I want you to sing a new song. Just let God hear from you. Even E.T. phoned home. <laughs> let God hear from you. And, and just say... All right, Lord, just pick a few words and put a little melody to it and begin to sing it because you're singing a new song, a spiritual song, a spiritually inspired song to the Lord. How many of you say, okay, I'll try it. Come on, let me see. All you guys, come on, guys. Some of you guys, you can't get your hands half-masked. I want you to sing a new song to the Lord. Singing spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. It's not complicated. It's very easy. Simple tune or melody to some simple words, and you've got a new song. God says to Christians, do this very thing. Because when we sing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, we are literally blessing the Lord, and He inhabits the praises of His people. Amen. This is my third time to preach this, and I could preach it again as soon as y'all are gone. Because this is moving on me. Now, Here's where it really gets good. Praise not only blesses the Lord, but watch this. Music and praise, that dynamic duo, praise with music releases the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What is the anointing of the Holy Spirit? It says the anointing of the Holy Spirit breaks the chains of bondage. The anointing of the Holy Spirit breaks the yoke, breaks Satan's traps. The anointing of the Holy Spirit annuls Satan's power. Satan can't stand in the presence of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
One day the prophet Elisha was approached by a man who wanted ministry. And the prophet Elisha made a strange request. He said, okay, you want some ministry? I'll give it to you. But first, bring me a man who plays music, worship music. Bring me a worshiper first. So they went and found a man. And the man came and played music. And listen to what the Bible says. When he played the music, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. See, when you and I, this is, we've got to understand that worship and praise are not just something that bless the Lord, but they are spiritual weaponry against the enemy who attacks every believer every day. Think of David. David was a teenager. And one day they came to him when he was in the field shepherding the sheep, and they said, believe it or not, David, prophet Samuel is here, and he wants to see you. So David came, and prophet Samuel poured oil on his head, and anointed him to be the next king of Israel in front of all of his brothers. Well, he went back to shepherding sheep. But then they summoned him again. And it was this time to go and play music for a madman. To play music, to worship God in the presence of a man who was losing his mind. His name was King Saul. And the Bible says that demon spirits, evil spirits, had begun to trouble him and torment him. And one of his servants has suggested there is a man who plays music in a way that brings the power of God that will do something about your torment. And so they went and got David, and they took him into the inner chamber. And when he walked in, what did he see? A man with wild eyes who was losing his mind, losing his grip on reality, sitting there not knowing what to do, and he said, play. And David began to pluck the strings of that harp and he began to play worship music. And the Bible says as soon as he began to worship God, the evil spirits departed from Saul. Why? Because praise dispels and drives away the enemy of our soul. The anointing comes when you praise God. That's why there's times you ought to stand in the middle of your living room in your house and say, Satan, that's it. You're attacking my money, my marriage, my kids. You've gone far enough. I'm about to do something about it. I'm not going to use carnal weaponry, but I'm about to praise God. And you lift up your praise to God. And the Bible says the anointing will come. Music and praise confuse and defeat the enemy. Instead of hell giving me hell, I'd like to give hell heaven. And praise God until the anointing falls and hell is driven off of my life. I'm talking to you folks about canceling satanic assignments. See, there's a bullseye in the chest of every believer. Every believer's home, every believer's marriage, every believer's life. There is a bullseye there. And Satan will release assignments against believers. I know that he does. An assignment. Go get that one. Go try to drag that one down with this and that one down with that. Go attack this one with that weakness he, he knows where we've been weak in the past, and there is a, an assignment released against us, against our loved ones. There are times if Satan can't defeat you, he'll defeat somebody whose defeat defeats you. I'm going to say that again. You love people around you, and if Satan can't bring you down, sometimes he'll try to defeat somebody whose defeat defeats you. It is a satanic assignment. But, oh, church, we have weaponry. 
We have weaponry in God. I'm telling you what the Bible says. One day, David was under attack. Satan was breathing down the nape of his neck. The fire of hell was licking up under his feet. He was about to be taken down by an enemy. And listen to what he did. He said, I will praise you. Lord, with all my heart, I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name. For I wills there when he was under attack. I will praise you. I will tell of you. I will be filled with you. And I will sing praises to your name. And look what happened as soon as he did that. The very next verse says, my enemies retreated. My enemies retreated. They staggered and died when you appeared. When did God appear? I will praise you. I will tell of you. I will be filled with you. And I will praise your name. And that's when the Lord showed up and the enemy retreated. Here's the truth. A praising church is feared by hell and loved by heaven. I want hell to get nervous every time hell knows we're about to meet. Because we don't have any power in and of ourselves. But when you get a church that understands the power of praise and they get together and begin to really praise and worship God, then the real power and the real champion of champions falls down upon us and his name is Jesus and the gates of hell cannot prevail against a praising church. So can we stand together today? And would you just repeat with me, praise blesses the Lord. Praise releases the anointing and praise confuses and defeats the enemy. Now we're going to do something, just a little show and tell before we leave today. I want you to think of three things that God has done for you, and I want you to let's enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And then we have, when we have thanked him for just three things that he's done for us, we're going to sing a chorus or two of praise. Are you ready to try what we've just heard? All right, let's do it. Father, we come to you in thanksgiving. We enter your gates with thanksgiving. Take a minute and just say, Lord, I thank you for this, and I thank you for that, and I thank you for this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Now let's praise him, everybody. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and
lift your hand to him and praise him. He is doing great things. Yes, he is. Give him a hand of praise today. Thank you, Lord. 